Well, today we're concluding our message series, Need Direction. We've been talking about how we can get God's guidance for our lives. That was one of the top topics in the survey that we did a little while ago, that people wanted to know how to hear from God. How can I follow God's guidance? And as we've seen in the series, uh, there's not a simple one-word answer. There's a lot of aspects that go into hearing God's voice and getting guidance from God. But as we grow in each of these areas, we're going to be able to hear Him more clearly and follow His direction. Now, if you missed any of the messages, all the videos are available on the website and as well as the notes and outlines, so you can go back and look at some of those as well. We need God's guidance. I need God's guidance. You need God's guidance. The church needs God's guidance in order to make right decisions, in order to stay on track with God's plan for our lives. Now today, in our final message, we're going to talk about defeating worry. We're going to be talking about worry in the context of making decisions, in the context of following God's guidance in our lives. So what is worry? A worry is uh, anxiety, it's concern, it's, um, it's even fear of something bad happening in the future. I'm worried about X. You know, I'm looking to the future and I see something big and bad and I'm worried about what's going to happen when it hits me. Now, we don't worry about the past. I mean, it's already over. I mean, you don't worry about the past. You don't worry really about the present. You worry about what's going to happen in the future. And so people may worry before making a decision. You have a decision to make, and you may say, I'm worried. I don't know if I'm going to make the right decision. And if I don't make the right decision, what's going to happen to me in the future? What if I make the wrong choice, and then something awful happens? People may worry after making a decision. They made this decision and then they worry, I, I don't know how this is going to pan out in the future. I, maybe that wasn't the right decision. Maybe I'm headed in the wrong direction. You may worry about the consequences of decisions you make. You may even make a decision based on worry. I'm so worried about X happening in the future that I'm going to make sure X doesn't happen by making this decision and going as far away from X as possible. We may make decisions based on worry or fear. Now, worry is the polar opposite of faith. Let me say that again. Worry is the polar opposite of faith. It's the exact opposite of faith. Faith looks to the future with hope, with anticipation of the good things that God has planned for us. The Bible tells us that God has good things planned for us. And so we look to the future and we say, God, I believe you've got something good plan for me, and I'm excited about it. I'm anticipating the good things that you have for me in the future. Worry, on the other hand, it looks to the future with fear. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be good. I'm anxious. I'm worried. Bad things coming when we look to the future with worry. And what does the Bible say regarding worry? Any ideas? Is worry a good thing? The Bible tells us as believers, as people of faith, we shouldn't, have, we shouldn't worry. And if we don't worry, what should we have? We should have faith. So rather than worrying, we should believe. First verse we want to look at today is found in Philippians 4, 6. Now the verses in the outline is in a white page in the middle of your bulletins. I'd encourage you to pull that out. Follow along and fill in the blanks. Make sure you stay awake, you see. And... Um, on the back is the study guide, and uh, we look at those during the small 
groups, although we won't be going over the study guide during the bonfire tonight. And uh, we'll give you a break, but we encourage you to do it on your own, even if you don't do it in a group. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. I think you should circle that word anything. Because I hear a lot, Pastor, I'm worried about, you know, I'm just worried about this one thing you understand, you see. I mean, it's, it's a worry of mine. You can't blame me for worrying, right? This is really a serious issue. Is that issue anything? I think it would follow under that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, instead of worrying, we put something in its place. We don't just go, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry. That doesn't work. Instead of worrying, pray about everything. Circle that word, everything. Oh, I can't pray about that. That's too little. People say that's, you know, God wouldn't be interested in that. God, maybe God doesn't want to deal with this. Pray about everything. Is anything accepted there? No, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And so rather than worrying about bad things happening, experts tell us that something like 80% of the things we worry about never even have a chance of happening anyhow. Rather than worrying about bad things happening, we are to pray and believe God for good things to happen, for God to bring good things and opportunities into our lives. And as we seek God for guidance, as we seek God for his direction in our lives, we can be confident that God's going to answer our prayers and lead us forward in his plan for our lives. I'd like us to watch a video about defeating worry called God is Bigger. God is bigger. And so when we look into the future and we see some bad things that might happen, those, those, those bad things, they seem big. And we look at ourselves and we seem small. And that's why we worry, right? We, I, I don't know if I can handle it. Those things are big, they're bad, they're ugly, they're mean, they're terrible, and they're coming my way and I'm just a little small pipsqueak and they're going to just run me over like a steamroller and then what will happen? And you go down the plug hole of worry. But when we have the eyes of faith, we look to the future. In fact, we just don't look at what might happen. We look up and we see a very big God. A God who is so much bigger than us, so much bigger than these bad things that may be coming at us. A God who created the universe. A God who holds all power, who holds us in his hand and we see him. And we compare those things that are coming at us or may be coming at us or might come at us with God. And God is bigger. He can handle those things. He's promised to bring good into our lives. And so we focus on Him. Really, when we worry, we, we're focusing on ourselves, aren't we? Because we're worried about what's going to happen to us. We're focusing on ourselves. But when we focus on God, we see God being so much bigger. God is a big God. He is the biggest thing of all. And so we can defeat worry in our lives by focusing on pleasing God, by putting Him first, by keeping our eyes on Him, by putting things in the proper perspective, by trusting Him to work everything out. And so this morning we're going to talk about this whole topic of defeating worry. And as we do, I want you to think about 
the thing that you are tempted most to worry about because we're all tempted to worry. Now, just because we're tempted, we don't have to give in to worry. The woodpecker wants to come in again. He's knocking. Somebody go scare that woodpecker away, please. <laughs> That's your job, Calvin. Okay, if, if he comes back. So this morning, as we speak about worries in our lives, think about defeating your biggest worry. What is it that you are tempted most to worry about? What are you struggling with right now? And I believe that as we look at God's word this morning, God is going to help you to defeat worry in that area in your life. This morning, we're going to look at some teaching of Jesus about worry and first, we're going to look at how to make worry-free decisions. Now, we're going to begin this a little before the classic passage on worry in Luke chapter 12 with a parable that Jesus taught that is going to help us understand his teaching on worry a bit uh, more fully, a bit deeper. Verse 16, Jesus begins and says, And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good tr- crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And so we're beginning with this parable that Jesus told. The stories that Jesus told weren't meant to entertain, to solely entertain. The stories that Jesus told were were never meant to be funny. Have you everybody said, has anybody ever said, you know, this Jesus, he was just the funniest guy I've ever heard. He just told the funniest stories. Uh, We don't say that. So why do we say that about some preachers? I don't know. But anyhow, they were meant to teach us God's truth. That's why Jesus told this story. And as Jesus begins his parable, he introduces us to a rich man who just gotten a very good crop for the year. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich, although there's certain temptations that come along with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having a good crop. But The first thing we notice about this particular rich man is that life seems to be all about himself. He wants to know what he should do with a good crop that he's just harvested. He says, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Notice the first person pronouns. This rich man was obviously very self-centered. Now, in this story, Jesus is giving us a negative example. You know, the Bible has positive examples of people we should follow. He also gives us negative examples, and we're going to find out we are not supposed to be like this rich man. We must not seek to please ourselves. So the rich man is thinking, what am I going to do with all this this good fortune that I've had, all this bumper crops that I have? I, I don't even have room to store them. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Of course, some people take that last part out of context. The Bible tells me to take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But that's not what it's saying at all. In fact, that's not what we're supposed to do. 
And so the rich man makes him plans, and again, it's all about I and my. Now, what did the rich man determine to do with the good crops that God had blessed him with? He wanted to store them up for himself. It was all about him. And if he stored up all this stuff for himself, then he could take life easy. He didn't have to work anymore. He could eat, drink, and be merry. He wanted to eliminate worry from his life by taking everything he had and making sure it was designated for himself alone. He was simply seeking to please himself. Next verses, we're going to learn what God thinks about living to please yourself. So don't seek to please yourself. Rather, give yourself to God. What does God think of the rich man? God said to him in verse 20, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich Toward God. And so what happened to the plans of the rich man to build all these barns and store all his bumper crops? God considered him a fool for making plans and decisions without consulting God. It was all about what he wanted to do. And that very night the rich man died, all his grain, all his goods that he planned to store up, obviously were given to somebody else. Somebody else benefited from him and he did not. So what did Jesus identify as the rich man's sin? Jesus said that the rich man had stored up things for himself rather than being rich toward God. And Jesus concludes this story by saying what happened to this rich man will happen to anybody who followed his example. This is not just a story. This is how God works. This is what God does. If we follow the rich man's path, the same bad things are going to happen to us. And so rather than storing things up for ourselves, we ought to be rich towards God. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be rich toward God? Now, this will become clear as we go on with Jesus' teaching, but suffice it to say right now that being rich towards God is using the things that God has blessed you with, not for yourself, but to please God. You see, we really don't own anything at all. Everything we have is a gift from God. And he's given it to us as stewards to use it for the things that he has planned for us to use it for. Nothing we have is, do we have authority over to do whatever we will. Everything we have is a gift from God and we need to consult with him how we should use it, what we should do with it. And so our lives are in uh, and the good things that God has given to us are to be given back to God. So in what ways are we tempted to be like this rich man? We're tempted when we take the things that God has blessed us with and simply use them for ourselves. We're tempted when we decide that the solution to worrying about the future is not giving to God ourselves and our resources, but keeping everything for our own use. We're tempted to be like the rich man when we think of retirement. That's really what the rich guy was going to do. He's going to retire. We think of retirement as a time to take life easy, to eat, drink, and be merry, rather than another or new season to serve God in in a new and different way. When we're self-centered, 
we worry about ourselves. But as we grow in being God-centered, our worries diminish and they're replaced by trusting God. Because everything we have in the present and everything we'll have in the future comes from His hand. And so following this story of the rich fool, Jesus goes on with some direct teaching about worry and tells us to not worry uh, about ourselves. Verse 22, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Now Jesus' teaching on worry begins with a word. The word is therefore. And whenever you see the word therefore, you need to think of why it is therefore. Why did Jesus put it there? He's saying, therefore, in light of what I've just told you about this rich fool, you shouldn't worry. The rich fool was somebody who had so worried about his life, had so worried about his food, had so worried about his own clothes that he took everything he had, everything he'd been blessed with, and kept it to himself. He was very, really a very worried man. That's why he did what he did. And Jesus says, therefore, don't worry about those things as the rich man did. Jesus is telling us that life with God is so much richer, is so much fuller than wasting our lives worrying about life's necessities. When you worry about paying the bills, when you worry about putting food on the table, when you worry about paying the rent or paying the mortgage, you are living life far beneath the life that God wants you to live. Rather than worry, we need to believe God will take care of us. Verse 24, Jesus says, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. So Jesus said, look up. Look at these ravens flying around. They don't sow. They don't reap. Who, who sowed and reaped? The rich man. They don't sow and reap like that rich man. They don't have all these barns like the rich man had to store up their crops, but God takes care of them. And if God takes care of these lowly birds by feeding them, surely he's going to take care of you because you are far more valuable to God than the birds or any of the animals. Then Jesus invites us to look at the wildflowers or the lilies. I didn't have time to put all that scripture in. You can read it for yourself. He says the lilies, they're clothed with great beauty. But did they sew their own clothes? Did they labor to look beautiful? Have a mirror that they could primp and fix their hair in front of? No. God did it. He clothed them. He dressed them. And if God dresses the lilies of the field, surely he's going to clothe you and take care of you if you put your trust in him. And so rather than being self-centered, rather than being worried about ourselves, what should we do in life? Well, we should seek to please God first. Verse 31, Jesus says, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. What are these things? It's all the things that people worry about. What they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. All the necessities of life. And Jesus said, don't worry about those things. The rich fool sought to take care of his own needs. That was his mistaken focus in life. It was all about him. How can I take care of myself? How can I meet my needs? And Jesus instructs us that our focus in life 
is not to be ourselves. It's to be his kingdom. We're to seek his kingdom first. Now, what does it mean to seek his kingdom? It's to seek first and foremost to please God. It's to seek first and foremost to follow God's plan for our lives, to do what he wants us to do. To seek his kingdom is to seek to do whatever it takes to expand God's kingdom through his church. Not to expand our own kingdoms. Now, if Jesus stopped there, you might wonder if Jesus just said, seek his kingdom. We might wonder, well, Jesus, what happens to me if I if I seek to please you? If I seek your kingdom, how will I be fed and clothed? And Jesus answers that by promising that these things will be given to you as well. When you seek to please God in your life, when you put him first, then these necessities of life, the things that we're tempted to think are so important, he's going to take care of. He understands that we need these things. It's not like he doesn't know we have to eat. He knows we have to eat. He created us. He knows we have to have food on our table. He knows we have to have shelter. He knows we have to have these other things. He says, I'm going to take care of that. Don't make that your focus in life. I've got your back. I, I'm going, you're my servant. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you everything you need to advance my kingdom. And if God, the creator of the universe, has promised to take care of us, do we need to worry? No. We don't need to worry at all. Worrying is a mark of what did Jesus call the rich man? He's a fool. It's a mark of a foolish person, a person who doesn't understand God, a person who isn't believing and trusting in God. Trust is the mark of a wise believer. Now, just to make sure I'm not misquoted, is Jesus saying here that we never need to work, that we can just kick back and, and God is going to, Drop down food from heaven. and Now, if we look at all of Scripture, uh, work is a blessing from God. And work can honor and glorify God if we do it for Him. And so as we work, we seek God's kingdom on our jobs. That's possible to do. That's what we're supposed to do. And God will use that job not only to advance His kingdom as we work there, as we seek to please Him, as we seek to work with integrity, as we seek to be a light to others. He's going to use that to advance his kingdom and to supply our needs and the needs of our families. And so God's, I mean, Jesus' whole point is that we mustn't let or allow our mind to be filled with this negative worry. It can just consume people. They just worry, that's all they think about. Our mind needs to be focused on moving God's kingdom forward, of doing our part in this great adventure that God has for every believer. And when we do that, we, don't, we can not be afraid of the future. We don't have to be afraid of the future. He says in verse 32, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus has just told us to seek his kingdom. And apparently some people might be, you know, if I seek your kingdom, what if I never find it? What if it doesn't work for me, seeking your kingdom? And so Jesus reassures us, don't be afraid. If you seek my kingdom, nothing's going to happen. Don't be afraid, little flock, for the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. If you set your heart on seeking my kingdom, 
I'm going to give it to you. As we seek God's kingdom for our own lives, as we seek it for the lives of others, we will find what we seek for. The rich fool was not seeking God's kingdom. He was seeking to build his own kingdom. He was not rich with God. He only cared about himself. So Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Seek the kingdom. Don't worry. Now, how can we be rich towards God? Jesus fin finishes up by telling us about laying up treasure in heaven. Verse 33, Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And so all of Jesus' teaching here, if you understand it, is telling us to do the exact opposite of what the rich man did. What did the rich man do with all the things that God had given to him? Where did he store them? Up in barns here on this earth. That's where he put his treasure. And Jesus is saying, rather than storing up your treasures here on earth, sell them and give to help the poor. Now, who are the poor? First of all, we think of those who are financially poor, who don't have the wherewithal to meet their own physical needs. But the term also encompasses those who are poor in spirit. Those who need to know God. Those who are poor without the riches of eternal life. In other words, use your resources, whether they're financial or whatever else you might have, to extend God's kingdom to help those people around you who need to enter into the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for us. And when you do that, you are storing things up, not on not in barns here on this earth. Not in bank accounts. You're laying up your treasure in heaven. And when you lay up your treasure in heaven, it's secure in every respect. I mean, nobody can break into heaven and steal your treasure. Nobody, termites can't come in and mess up your treasure in heaven. It is secure. It even says it will not be exhausted. It's going to last forever. That treasure is going to last forever. It will be there waiting for us when we pass from this life into the next as believers. And so you lay up treasure in heaven by giving back to God the things that He has blessed you with. You give to God by giving to His church and by giving to those that God directs you to give. And when you do that, your heart will be at peace. Your heart will be secure. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where was the rich man's treasure? In barns on this earth. Where was his heart? Thinking about his treasure in those barns. That's what his focus was in life. That's where his security was and when he died, he lost everything. But Jesus is saying, when you lay your treasure up in heaven, then your heart is not going to be focused here on earth. Your heart is going to be focused on heaven. And if you want your heart to be focused on heaven, if you want to draw closer to God, then lay up treasure in heaven. And when you do that, your heart will be secure. You don't have to worry or be afraid about the future. What do you think is the top issue that Americans 
worry about. You're right, it is. By far, the top issue that Americans worry about is finances or money. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus talks about worry, what does he talk about? Money, resources, the necessities of life is what Jesus addresses in his teaching. And so worrying about finances is a big issue even in many believers' lives. Let me explain to you how the thought process goes, how we're tempted to think. Now, this is a negative example, okay? <laughs> I'm not advocating this, but this is how some people think. We barely have enough to make to pay our bills right now. Or maybe we're not making enough to pay our bills. At the end of the month, the bills are bigger than what's coming in. And so I'm really worried about having money for the future. And since I don't have enough money right now, I can't possibly give to God. I can't possibly give a tithe or 10% of my income to the church because, you know, I know how to do arithmetic. And I know how to do the math. And I have this much coming in, this much going out. And if I have more going out, I'm going to even be deeper in the hole than I was before. And so this does not compute. This doesn't make sense. And so, God, I pray that you would bless me with more money. God, if I just had more money, I wouldn't need to worry. And I'm just praying, give me more money. And when I get more money from you, then I'll be able to give to you and everything will be fine. Then I'll be able to afford it. You know what? The time where God answers that prayer and gives people extra money so they give to him hardly ever happens. Because... In the overall scheme of things, with that kind of thinking, are people putting God first or last? Or putting Him last? If I have enough left over, I'm going to give to you. And God doesn't generally bless that type of thinking. And so Jesus teaches us that the way to defeat worry, the way to defeat worry about money and finances, which is what most people worry about, is to put God not last, but to put Him first. Lay up treasure in heaven by giving to God first, off the top, giving him your tithe, giving him 10% of your income first to God, even if it doesn't add up, even if it doesn't make sense to you, obeying God and then believing God to bless you and meet your needs. And Jesus said, when you put God first, when you seek his kingdom first, in your life, in your finances, in everything, everything else is going to be covered by God. And that's the key to defeating worry in the area of money, which is the biggest area that people worry about, believer or unbelievers alike. And when you defeat worry in the area of finances, you're going to be able to defeat worry in the other areas of your life as well. Following the same principles, you don't need to be afraid of the future. You can trust God as you put him first, as you seek his kingdom first. And so today we've talked about defeating worry, making worry-free decisions. We mustn't be like that rich man, that rich fool, who stored up everything on earth for himself. He was self-centered. He was self-pleasing. Rather, we believe that God will take care of us in everything that we need if we seek him first. If we put him first in all of our lives, giving God the first portion of our finances and believing that he's going to meet 
every need in our lives. We are laying up treasure in heaven, not on this earth. And when you follow Jesus' direction, you're going to defeat worry and your heart will be secure and at peace. Now, defeating worry begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, if you're not sure that you know Jesus, we're going to pray a simple prayer in which you give your life to him as your Lord and Savior. And I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. I encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've I've sinned. My life has been self-centered. I've been focused on myself and meeting my own needs. I, I really haven't been seeking your kingdom at all. I wasn't even aware I was supposed to do that. Please forgive me. I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.